You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Every quarterback in the draft, even the top ones, have some flaws and carry an inherent amount of risk when you're going to use an early draft pick on them. But some flaws and some traits are more worth the risk than others. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com and use our promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. On the show today, we'll be joined by Mark Schofield. He's a writer for USA Today's Touchdown Wire. He also covers the New England Patriots, does a podcast over with patspulpit.com, the SCO show, and he is a longtime friend of the podcast and a quarterback expert. He would never call himself a quarterback expert, but he is a quarterback-focused analyst who I really appreciate and respect his work and his thoughts and his opinions on that position. He was a college quarterback himself, but regardless, we're going to talk about this Bears quarterback draft class. It's going to be a two-part conversation this week, and today we're going to talk more so about the top of the draft and what we can expect with Mac Jones and that situation and whether Trey Lance could be the quarterback that falls and how his skill set compares to the others in terms of the ceiling and the floor and the risk and the potential and maybe whether or not he's worth a team like the Bears trading up to try and go get their franchise quarterback, but how much is too much to give up with a quarterback with his potential variance. But before we bring on Mark, we need to have a conversation about the pre-draft process. This is not unique to the Chicago Bears, but it's something that we get caught up in a little bit every year and maybe start to pay too much attention to or get a little bit too obsessed with or just find all around too much value in the idea of which prospects the Bears have met with, whether it's at their pro day, whether it was at the Senior Bowl or some of the other college all-star games or whether they held some sort of virtual visit. In the past, they would do private in-person workouts. It sounds like that's not allowed under the COVID protocols this season. But we hear it all the time, right? These pro day press conferences and it's like, oh, this player says he's met with the Bears and had a great conversation with the Chicago Bears. And there are sites out there that spend a lot of time compiling all of the different tidbits of information we get about these were the prospects that the Bears met with, these were the pro days that the Chicago Bears attended, and all of it is to sort of say, oh, well, they are showing interest then in said player. And I'll say this, I mean, it's a lot of work to track all of that, and I have respect for the amount of work that goes into trying to keep track of any time the Chicago Bears have been mentioned with any NFL draft prospect. There's like 300 of them, and only so many are going to be directly tied to the Chicago Bears. 
And so you can see why you might try and extrapolate something from that. Like, oh, the Bears have met with Davis Mills, the Stanford quarterback, and Kellen Mond, the Texas A&M quarterback, and Mac Jones. But, you know, maybe they haven't met specifically with, you know, Sam Ellinger from Texas or Ian Book from Notre Dame. Again, I'm not I'm not looking at the list. They, they may have met with all of those players, and that's that's kind of the point here, right? And that's sort of what we're getting to, that, yes, you could see where trying to narrow down just the list of players that we know or have specifically heard that they have met with would be of value. You could see where, like, oh, well, that must mean this could be a player that they're more interested in. But as this offseason goes on, especially in this virtual environment, and that's what's new, and that's why I felt like it's an important conversation to have because in the old days, way back when, when I was a child, you know, way back in the 2018s, the 20 teens, you could only have a limited number of private workouts with draft prospects. I can't tell you off the top of my head the exact number, but it was in, you know, it was under 50, you know, it was like 20 to 30-ish type range right around there of guys you could fly out to your organization's headquarters or sometimes you could fly out and do it with them somewhere else. There's different rules about all that stuff where you put him through a private workout and you could only do a certain number of them and you were limited to the number of players that you could have that much extra contact with. And I can see the argument there that, okay, those players would be ones that the Bears have that much more information about to be more informed about. But in 2021, when all you have to do is create a Zoom meeting like the rest of us have been doing and schedule a time with a player to meet with them and talk over Zoom, the Bears are talking, you just can assume the Bears are talking to everybody because they could talk to everybody that they want to talk to. There's no constraints of, oh, we just didn't have enough workouts left to be able to talk to this player. Plus, the idea is that generally speaking, the Chicago Bears are going to send at least one scout or coach to every major Power 5 school's pro days if they have any sort of NFL draft caliber draftable players, the Bears are going to send somebody there. So the Bears have had a scout, a coach, someone to get an eye on every single player in this draft. And they've had virtual visits with the majority of players that they're going to be interested in and many players that we may never hear about because they were just never specifically asked or they didn't specifically mention the Bears among the teams that they've played with. And so we really can't glean anything of particular note out of this list other than kind of making sure the team is, generally speaking, doing their homework. And sure, you can try and put some stock in, okay, when Ryan Pace goes to a specific pro day, then that could mean something. Or if Matt Nagy goes to a specific pro day, then that could mean something. But sometimes it's as simple as Northwestern is the closest school with draft prospects to Hallis Hall. And so, yes, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy all both went to the Northwestern pro day because they like to go to pro days. They just can't go to every pro day, but it's you might as well go to the ones that are nearby that you can just hop into your car and go do it. doesn't necessarily mean that, oh, the Bears really like the offensive tackle, Rashawn Slater, and might trade up for him. And it doesn't mean, oh, the Bears really like the cornerback from Northwestern, Greg Newsom, and they might take him at 20. It's like, I think they're equally likely to take them at 20 as 
any other player. And the fact that Pace and Nagy went to their pro day doesn't necessarily mean anything greater about the team's interest. So now that that's out of the way, let's turn our attention to the top quarterbacks in the draft. Not the ones that are totally out of the Bears' reach, but the possibility that maybe Trey Lance could fall and Ryan Pace could see a franchise quarterback and make that big move to go up and get his guy. Mark Schofield is going to help us break down Lance's game and what kind of risk he's worth next on Locked On Bears. We're already just a few weeks away from the NFL draft, and already our friends at betonline.ag have their draft prop bets available. Some great options for who's going to be picked Third overall, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, maybe Trey Lance is a dark horse in there. Who's going to be the first defensive player taken in the 2021 draft? Patrick Sertain, Micah Parsons, J.C. Horn. A lot of different options here for over-under where Justin Fields will be drafted. Over-under fifth, fifth and a half for Kyle Pitts, the Florida tight end. Six and a half for Trey Lance. And then even by position, over-under one-half safeties taken in the first round, one-half running backs, six-and-a-half offensive linemen, four cornerbacks in the first round. If you've got a good sense of this draft class and you want to make it even more exciting, head on over to betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account and enter our promo code Locked On to receive your free 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline. Your online sportsbook experts. If you want more on all the biggest stories in all of sports, you got to check out our new Locked On Today podcast, giving you all the sports news and updates you need in under 20 minutes with the help of our local experts right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. So follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Here on Locked On Bears, we are all locked in on the NFL Draft and using some of our friends from around the NFL Draft industry to help us get ready for draft day. So, joining us now on the Locked On Bears podcast is friend of the show, Mark Schofield. He is our resident quarterback expert, but we love him for so much more. He's just, it's always a good time when Mark is on the podcast. So, Mark, first of all, I appreciate you making some time for us in this busy peak draft season. How are you getting through it? What's been keeping you up and awake and alive every day for the hundreds of podcast requests you get? May 2nd, Lauren. May 2nd is keeping me alive in a way because that is the Sunday after the draft um, when we can put Trey Lance and Mac Jones and Justin Fields and Jabril Cox and J.C. Horn and all these names in the rearview mirror and focus on what really matters, which is Sam Howell, Spencer Rattler, Malik Willis, you know, the next draft class because that's what's going <laughs> to happen, Lauren. You know this, right? Like It's, it's already Mr. started. Mr. Irrelevant is going to have his name called, and then ESPN is going to cut to Mel Kuyper, who's going to give you his top five for the 2020 draft. Because that moment last year is when many people heard the name Trey Lance for the first time. Mm -hmm. And so that night, that Saturday night, you will probably get a watch list on both sides of the football from me. You will probably get a way too early 2022 mock draft from people like myself and others at the the draft network, the wise sages over there. Um, 
we have turned the draft into a draft industrial complex, a, a year-round <laughs> smorgasbord of football scouted that ends with everybody happy, or should I say unhappy, angry, um, and at their wit's end. And that's about where I'm at right now. So it, it, if that sounds like somebody you want to sit down and record a <laughs> podcast with, then by all means, we should continue. Well, the unfortunate thing here is that, you know, Bears fans are probably going to need to know those 2022 quarterbacks quite a bit. So maybe that's where we should just do the whole thing. That's where we should just go. I mean, forget (laughs) Trey Lance and Mac Jones. I can tell you Spencer Rattler, tremendous arm talent, extremely athletic. I do like Malik Willis. A lot of people are excited about Sam Howell. I will say, you know, in the game, in the time that I spent studying guys like Dami Brown and Daz Newsom and all the UNC, you know, the two UNC running backs, I was kind of underwhelmed um, by Howell. But I, I do see the allure. Uh, the Oregon kid is nice. Uh, Keaton Slovis, uh, Desmond Riddler, the Cincinnati quarterback who, who came back, who I thought might have been a, a day two pick in this draft. But it'll be a fun little quarterback class next year. Uh, Derek Stanley Jr., obviously the corner, might be the top name on most boards, you know, come the end of April for next year. But there will be a long way to go. And we will get names like Mac Jones and Zach Wilson in this class that will come out of nowhere seemingly and uh, rise to the top of boards next year. Well, that's that's what's fun about all of this, and I'm, I'm, we we all somehow dread it by the end, and then look forward to it once it once it restarts. But but from your perspective, and I know you do a lot of work with Touchdown Wire, and you do some Patriot stuff over at Pat's Pulpit. You got the the Sco Show podcast over there. Not that the Patriots and the Bears are are in the same spot generally, but both have their veteran starting quarterback for Week One, more or less, but also in the market for a quarterback. How are you approaching this? from the Patriots' perspective in, in the draft with you know, not really expecting maybe the top five guys to – any of the top five guys to necessarily fall down there. But as far as – what are you – yeah, what are you expecting from New England? How are you going about this draft for Patriots fans? I am preparing Patriots fans for the worst. I prepared them for – like literally earlier today I recorded my Mock Draft Monday episode for tomorrow. We're recording this Sunday night. And I prepared them for Christian Barmore at 15. Uh, <laughs> two weeks ago, I prepared them for the eventual trade down. I, I walked through various scenarios of the first 14 picks and said, the Patriots will be on the clock at 15. The five quarterbacks will be gone and they'll trade down because that's what they do. I mean, I'm trying to get them ready for worst case scenarios. So if something miraculous happens and say Trey Lance is on the clock is available and on the board at eight when the Carolina Panthers are there and somehow you get the, Oh, I I think we've got a word of a trade Trey guys. Do we have a trade? And Rich Eisen says, yes, the new England Patriots have traded up to eight. Like I I want to prepare them for the worst. So in the slimmest of chances that that actually happens, everybody is just like overjoyed because we've spent the final three weeks here, just preparing ourselves for the Belichickian approach. But what's interesting, Lauren, is, you know, we all saw what the Patriots did, right? You know, they spent – we went into free agency with everybody saying, oh, Belichick never spends money. Well, he just spent a ton of money. You know, this is very against norms for him. And so now when people are saying, well, you know, Belichick doesn't trade up, you know, if he's he's not going to be aggressive and move to the top of the board, if, you know, the only options there you would come up for are players that they don't have graded that highly – well, he just showed us that he can go against his norm and his usual modus operandi, you know, just through free agency. So there is a sliver of hope, I think, among Patriots fans that they will pull off a trade or they'll at least try and be aggressive to get up from one of these quarterbacks. 
but yeah, we have to prepare ourselves for Christian Barmore at 15 and a very Belichickian draft. Yeah, you know, as I go through Bears mock draft scenarios, I kind of find myself in a similar place where it's like none of the real top prospects that you really want typically are going to end up there. So it becomes, yeah, the Christian Barrymore's and the the Tevin Jenkins and the Greg Newsoms and, you know, some of those guys that maybe you feel like you could get later or you just don't need all that much and you'd rather have someone else. But we're both still keeping open the possibilities of a potential quarterback trade. And we'll take a closer look at Trey Lance as a QB target in particular next with Mark Schofield on Locked On Bears. My first round pick every day is the world's best tasting protein bar, Built Bars. It's hard for me to limit myself to just one each day because they all taste so good. They come in 18 amazing flavors. You can't go wrong with any of them. I've had every single one. I'm a big fan of the caramel brownie, the cookies and cream, and the coconut. That's what I've got my three boxes of right in my pantry right now. But that nice variety pack gives you the fruit flavors, gives you the savory sweet flavors, and they're all covered in 100% real chocolate. They're all low sugar, low calories, high fiber, and high protein. It's an elite combination of traits that you can't find anywhere else. You really got to try them for yourself. Go to BuiltBar.com and use our promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, LOCKED15, for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. We're here with Mark Schofield from the Touchdown Wire and the Sco Show podcast as part of Pat's Pulpit. And again, this is going to be part one of our two-part conversation about prospects, specifically quarterbacks, in this NFL draft. Today, we're focusing a little bit more on the top of the draft and on tomorrow's podcast with Mark. We're going to go through the Bears' day two options and try and separate Kellen Mund and Kyle Trask and Davis Mills and all the other quarterbacks outside of this clear top five group. But Mark, I'm glad you started with Trey Lance there because that's where I wanted to go. Uh, you know, I think we kind of have this impression, you know, Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson and Justin Fields and Mac Jones will probably all go ahead of Trey Lance just based on where all the discussion is. So if he starts to fall a little bit, I guess what's your risk tolerance with him? You know, what what is how much are you willing to give up for the opportunity to take him when he is a guy that has some concerns or some, I mean, as all quarterbacks do, some concerns, some flaws, some red flags. But, you know, he is a top quarterback prospect for a reason. He has those top-tier traits. So I guess, what what yeah, what yeah level of confidence do you have in Lance as a prospect? And then how does that translate to how you might approach it if you're an NFL team like the Bears or Patriots that maybe would consider moving up? What's an interesting frame of discussion for this is sort of Mac Jones versus Trey Lance. And I, I think a good way to go about thinking about those two prospects is where are you as a team? You know, if you are the San Francisco 49ers and you believe, perhaps rightly so, you're two seasons away from a Super Bowl appearance, you have talent on, on both sides of the ball, um, you might just be missing consistency at the quarterback position then maybe you go get the safer floor type player. You know, the guy that has the safe floor, that might be Mac Jones. But I think if you're a team that feels 
like you still need to fill in some blanks around the quarterback position as well. You might have a little bit of room for growth or you have that veteran quarterback. So you have a window where he can, Trey Lance can come in and learn. You don't have to play him right away and you can handle his development the right way and play him when you're ready. And I think the bears and the Patriots both sort of fit into that realm. Then I think it's worth being aggressive to go get Trey Lance. You know, if I'm new England, you know, and the opportunity to come up to say hypothetically eight and, you know, the pick at 46, maybe the pick at 96, a future first, two future firsts. I'd be willing to do that because I do think that Trey Lance is a very good quarterback prospect with some elite traits. And I think if the, if the development is handled the right way, where he may not have to play right away, you can play him when you're comfortable because you have a veteran quarterback, then I think you can be aggressive and go get him. You know, I know a lot of the discussion about Trey Lance is, you know, he needs to sit. And in some offenses, perhaps New England's, that might be appropriate if I had to sit a little bit. But I do think West Coast systems, such as San Francisco's, such as perhaps Chicago's, he might be able to play sooner than people expect. And I know a lot of people wonder about Lance from the inexperienced level of competition. It's important to remember what he was asked to do. You know, recently Doug Farrar over at Touchdown Wire sat down with their quarterbacks coach Randy Hedberg before Lance's pro day and asked him about what Lance was required to do at the line of scrimmage, but they let him do at the line of scrimmage and kills checks, protections, maybe calls like getting in and out of plays, calling audibles. He had the freedom to do that. Day one, you watch his first start against Butler. You might remember a, a 50 yard touchdown run from Lance. That was an audible. They had a blitz. Look, he didn't like it. He checked to a quarterback run and, took it to the house. I mean, he was asked and he was allowed to do that early first start stuff that Easton stick and Carson once were doing as seniors, he was doing as a redshirt freshman in his first start. So I, I think he's ready. I think he's extremely talented. Is he a perfect prospect? No. Does he have things to clean up? Absolutely. Um, ball placement and things like that. But I do think that I would be aggressive to go get him because as much as I just spent maybe five minutes talking about next year's class, you can never be sure what it's going to look like. And when you have the opportunity to perhaps go get somebody now, get them into your system now, I think you take advantage of that. And so I think teams that have an opportunity to perhaps go up and get Trey Lance should try and do that if possible. This doesn't necessarily need to be specific to Trey Lance, but in quarterback evaluation in general, when you look at flaws, what do you think are the easiest to fix or maybe more so the easiest to live with that – the positive traits in the ceiling that someone like Lance has might be able to outweigh. Because, you know, we hear we hear about accuracy versus decision-making, and there's different types of accuracy that you can have issues with, and there's different types of decision-making. I mean, I realize there's a lot of nuance to it, but from, from a, a general evaluation philosophy, what, what, do you, what do you find yourself not minding as much in terms of quarterback flaws? And or maybe conversely, what flaws to you are the biggest flaws that you say, man, I, don't, I just don't know if... If the quarterback doesn't have this or does do this, I don't know that it's or that, that makes the risk too high. Right. And, you know, like you said, there there is some nuance to this and there are levels even within the individual traits. Um, you know, something that I can live with is a quarterback that is too aggressive right now. Like a lot of the discussion about Wilson and part of my own critiques of Wilson at times have been his process is not something that's sustainable at the next level because he's constantly thrown into windows. He's constantly taking risks with the football. He's thrown into double coverage. But at the same time, I can live with that because I'd 
I know from my own experience, I know from my own coaching experience, and I know from studying quarterbacks, it is much easier to take an aggressive guy and get, to get him to dial it back just a bit than it is to take somebody that's more conservative and to get him to sort of get aggressive when he needs to be. And I think two examples of this class in this class are, you know, Wilson and Jones. I think Wilson is much more aggressive at times than I'd like to see. A lot of his splash plays, plays that will be part of his highlight package when he's drafted, are those kinds of throws into double coverage when he has safer options, dig routes, check downs, whatever, that are available. But I'm okay with him doing it now, you know, because you can sort of dial that back. Patrick Mahomes is an example of that. He was very aggressive at Texas Tech. Um, but slid it back a bit, but didn't lose that willingness to challenge throws downfield. Conversely, with Mac Jones, there are times when it almost has to be perfect for him. That's kind of why many people have compared him to Kirk Cousins, where if it's not there, then he'll just check it down. But not there for him is like wide open, not NFL open. You know what I mean? And so that fine line between aggression and sort of being scared is I think something that's important and I'm much more willing to live with a quarterback that's aggressive than one who isn't. Um, there's been a lot of discussion recently about process and speed and Justin Fields. You know, I do think that that is something that all quarterbacks have to get better at. You have to get faster. Even if you're known as a great processor in the college game, the NFL game is so much faster that you're going to have to speed it up anyway. But guys like Fields, guys like Lance that have elite arm talent, you know, they could take that extra half second to figure things out because the ball will get there the same time that Mac Jones lets it go, you know, or Mac Jones has to get it out of his hands, you know, a half second before they do. They could take a bit more time and the ball will still get there at the same time because of their velocity. So, you know, you can tinker with that a bit. Something that I think you have to have there, there are a couple of things. Um, one is certainly competitive toughness. It matters so much at the quarterback position. Like if, if you sort of fold, if you wilt in the face of pressure in the pocket, if you wilt in the face of adversity, like the NFL and playing quarterback in the NFL just might not be for you. I mean, it's just a simple fact. Um, athleticism, it's not a necessary thing, but you have to have, even if you can't outrun people, you have to have enough athleticism in, to survive in the pocket. Um, I know that's been a question with Mac Jones, and I think his combination of protections and understanding protections, as well as his footwork, you know, gives him a path to doing it, but it is something to worry about. Um, but that's kind of, those are some traits where I kind of, you know, on, on both ends of that sort of scale, like ones that I think you can live with, others that I think are more prerequisites that you got to check those boxes. Otherwise, it might be a tough, tough road for you ahead. Well, I'm looking forward to applying some of that criteria and some of that draft philosophy and thought process to some of these second-round quarterbacks. We're going to get into all of that and much more on tomorrow's Locked on Bears podcast. I want to thank Mark Schofield for joining us and splitting this up into a two-part episode with us. Make sure you subscribe to Locked on Bears to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Later on this week... We'll be joined again by Trevor Sykema from the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast and the Draft Network. And we're going to get into some of these other draft prospects as well as I'm hoping to do a little bit of a deeper dive into Kyle Trask with Trevor. He is a Florida alum and a guy who keeps a pretty close eye on those Florida Gators in addition to all of his extensive draft work at the Draft Network. So we'll go around the docket a little bit with him but also hit some of those Florida prospects as well. And we'll make sure we get you all set for the NFL draft just a few weeks away now. I want to make sure 
we go through at least all the big name prospects, all some of the top options that you'll need to know as a Bears fan. So you're not totally caught off guard with who they could take at 20 and maybe even in the second and third rounds. So I hope you'll keep tuning in to Locked on Bears throughout this offseason. And I hope in exchange, the podcast helps you bear down.